Hellman316 says it is time for another edition of the Rutgers ScoutCast. Welcome into the Friday show. We are just about two, two and a half weeks away from National Signing Day, and boy are my arms tired. So this is the latest episode of the show, and like I mentioned before, the format's going to be a little here and there, a, a little adventurous as we count down and grind to National Signing Day, because frankly... I got a lot on my plate. Brian Doan has a lot on his plate, and Rutgers Athletics is the same. There's a lot going on and a lot to discuss, so we're not going to take too much of your time here in the open of the show, and then we're just going to try and get right down to it. One quick thing that is on my mind before we jump into the, the body of the show. I, didn't, I did a story this week, and I hope everyone checks it out. A free article on Eric Legrand's latest charity goals. He teamed up with a design company, Athletes Brand, to design a Believe 52 t-shirt. All of the proceeds from this t-shirt go to charity, go to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, Team Legrand, to help raise money for spinal cord injury research, to help raise money for implant trials, the details are in the article. You can tweet me at Sam Hellman Scout or just go ahead and tweet Eric Legrand if you have any questions about it. He's always great to interact with on Twitter. I'm sure that he'd be happy to point you in the right direction. This is a two-week flash sale. What that means is that you better buy a shirt now because they're going to be gone soon and they're pretty cool. He's His goal is to raise $2,000 I think they're already above 500 within the first two days, so I have no doubt that he's going to shatter that goal. Why don't Rutgers fans, eh, let's help him do it. If you are an Eric Legrand fan like I am, you can go back into the show archives, hear my interview with Eric Legrand from back in, I don't know, maybe it was May or June. I'm sure we'll have Eric again on the show sometime. Anyway, enough of that. What you're going to hear on the show this week like the title says, you're going to hear from running backs coach Lester Erb and offensive line coach A.J. Blazek. The audio for both of these is going to be a little in and out. The quality is fine, but it's just going to sound a little a little weirder. There might be a couple skips because the Lester Erb part of this interview was recorded during a big media day session, so there's times where other people are yelling or the TV p- people walk by or an elevator door open, stuff like that. So I cut some of it out, including some of my questions. But you should be able to get a good gist for what he's about and what he brings to Rutgers. Then, secondly, you're going to hear from A.J. Blazek, who actually uh, played for Lester Herb at Iowa. He was an offensive lineman, a, a captain, a big academic guy out there when Herb was just starting out at Iowa as an assistant. Talked to A.J. Blazik on the phone for a while this week about the three offensive linemen that he signed, or that Rutgers signed and enrolled this week. So I want to play just a snippet of that conversation. The full article is available on Scarlet Report. I put this up for free because I thought that it would be the kind of article that Rutgers fans enjoy, but it's the kind of thing where I think that recruits would like to know how the top Rutgers guys are doing now that they've enrolled or heck even you know give Samuel Vretman's parents out in Sweden something to read about this week 
So I made it free for that reason. I'm not going to play the entire interview here. Just uh, maybe, a, I'm not sure yet, probably about a two or three question snippet of the interview. After you hear from Erd and Blazik, Scout National Recruiting Analyst, Brian Dunn joins the show. We go for about 25 minutes talking this and that. We talk about all the positives that have happened in the last week. You know, the, the highs of Janarian Grant, but also the lows of Aaron Henry, Bryce Watts, everything in the world of Rutgers. And then we'll close out the show as we count down to National Signing Day. Please uh, stay tuned to my social media accounts at Sam Hellman Scout, at Scarlet Report, Sam Hellman Scout on Facebook, because we have a good opportunity to get involved with Scarlet Report coming up in the next 24 hours. I can't say too much yet, but what I can say is stay tuned. We're going to go ahead and jump right in now to my conversation with Lester Erb. It, it really comes down to building relationships. Uh, you know, I've always kind of looked at looked at recruiting as, you know, football is a people business. I mean, that's really what it is. And if you're able to build those relationships with the high school coaches, with, with the people in uh, those high schools, they start to trust you and, and, and they trust you with their kids. And to me, recruiting, that, that's really what it's about. It, it's about relationships and building that trust. It'll be, you know, get out, get going tomorrow. And, and uh, you know, obviously I'll be in front of a few new guys tomorrow. Um, but same thing, it's, it's just, you know, trying to build those relationships. But the more people that you can get involved in, in the recruitment process, the better because, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big decision, especially in recruits' lives, you know, where they're going. And, and if they only know one person there or only have a personal connection with one person, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Whereas if they feel they're going into a place and um, it's like a family atmosphere and they know everybody, it's a little bit easier. But... Yeah, I've coached, you know, being out at Nevada for the past four years and, and coaching running backs out there for three. Uh, you know, spread offense is a little bit more different, a little bit different than, than what I was used to at Iowa. Um, but but I feel comfortable coaching, you know, wh- whatever offense we're going to be in. Some some spreads use a fullback, some don't. Rutgers didn't last year. Is that something that you're looking at or that you would have interest in coaching as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, I think whatever you know, whatever we decide on, what, what Coach Kill really wants to take this thing, um, but but I think there's going to be an aspect to it to where the fullbacks going to be in it. Uh, your your relationship with Coach Blazik, how would you describe that? <laughs> uh, AJ, you know, actually AJ and I have known each other a long time because he played for us at Iowa, uh, and then was a GA for us there, and and uh, you know he, he is just great, you know, great human being and. And uh, his family and my family have kind of not grown up, but we've kind of been there for each other over the past few, 15 years now. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're pretty close, and I'm looking forward to working with him. What role did he play in your interest in Rutgers, I guess? Oh, a lot. You know, he, he talked to me about what they're building here, and and uh, obviously his, his connection with, with Coach Ash uh, played a major role in me coming out. You've mentioned Coach Ash, Coach Kill a lot. Uh, what does it mean to be working for those two guys and, and learning from them, building relationships with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Uh, you know, obviously I had never met Coach Kill um, before, um, but just his reputation precedes him and, and, you know, competing against him in the, in the Big Ten and, and knowing what he stands for. And, I mean, the guy's won everywhere he's been. And just being around him the past couple of days, I mean, he's just a tremendous person. I'm looking forward to it. 
you know, we kind of went through the same process at, at, at Iowa when I was uh, first started out there. Um, and really, Nevada was the same way. Uh, you know, you start to build that culture. and uh, but, but to me, that's always been exciting. You know, you get a chance to put your culture into, into play and, and uh, you know, turn it into a winning program. And, and I'm excited about it. You've, uh, you've been doing this a while. Who are some guys that you're really proud of that you've coached or you've seen succeed since you've worked with them? Oh... I know, I know, putting you on the spot a little yeah. bit there. But you know, you you go into kids' homes and you'll be able to tell them about kids you coach. Who, who comes up in those conversations? You know, obviously Sean Green. Right. You know, Sean. Uh, you know, being able to work with Sean uh, back back in Iowa. I mean, he he's just a tremendous kid, tremendous talent. Um, <clears throat> but really, uh, one one of the guys right now that. You know, he's not a household name, but uh, Don Jackson, who, who is now with the Green Bay Packers, um, just to, I had him for three years in Nevada, and just to see where he has come from, um, my, my first year having him to where he's at now, I mean, he's just a tremendous, tremendous success story, and, and uh, he's, he's probably one of those guys. If you don't mind going one by one, what do you like about Micah, Jamal, and Sam, and how do they fit what you're doing at Rutgers? Yeah, not a problem. Uh, all three of them, you know, all three of them bring an athletic ability that, that we need to keep adding to in our room. Um, you know, they, they got to develop Sam, uh, I mean, probably the biggest, strongest uh, of the one of the group, where, you know, Jamal brings a lot of football IQ, and he's a really sharp guy. Um, you know, I think that, that's the biggest thing he can bring. He's got great feet. Um, you know, well, his, his hips and weight room strength, that stuff's still going to come. His body's got the size and the frame to build in the lower half. Um, and then you take uh, Micah, and, and I'm telling you, that the biggest thing Micah brings is just positive energy um, and excitement. You guys see that in recruiting. It's just personality. Um, I think he's a guy you, you can build up a program around personality-wise. But with that, you know, he's got to come in. He's got to get stronger. He's He's got the mindset to be 100% committed in that weight room. And, and all three of these guys hit the ground running yesterday. And I stopped out just to, you know, there's always nerves involved. It don't matter how good or how highly recruited. There's nerves involved when you go to the new place, just like when they get their chance to go to an NFL team. Uh, a couple, you know, three, four years from now, they're going to get that chance. And, you know, you want to get through that process. And, and they've attacked it. They've not been scared. They've not been nervous. Uh, it's been fun to really watch them get ready for this. And then their first day was fun to watch them go get it. How would you uh, how would you describe your relationship with their families? Because w- whether it's talking to Micah and Jamal, I, I was at St. John Vianney last week talking to their mom, or just getting to know yeah. Sam- Samuel's parents back in Sweden, it seems like all of them are pretty confident in sending their kids to play for you.
You know, instead of going with the normal segmented news discussion, figure it'd be better just to talk about everything that's going on, because guess what? More than three big things happened over the last week in Rutgers world. Some of them good, some of them bad, let's just say. So let's start off here by welcoming in Scout National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan, Back to the show. A lot of what we're going to discuss, Brian, is in recruiting, but let's start with what was deemed a good day for Rutgers by New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. I know you're a big NFL fan, Brian. Oh, I love the NFL. I love the NFL. Do we have our Super Bowl team yet? No, I don't think so, but what we do have is Devin McCourty, Logan Ryan, and Deron Harmon all picking off passes in the same game to make it to the AFC Championship game. Nice little marketing opportunity. It's interesting because that happens, and I, I don't remember who was Saturday or Sunday, but it was one of those days. And then Bryce Watts, the cornerback, decommits. And I know just in talking to some people close to Watts, one of the things um, his family talks about is how Virginia Tech puts defensive backs in the NFL. You would think that Rutgers will have the opportunity to go back and say, well, Virginia Tech might put him in the NFL, and so do we. So, yeah, it's a great marketing opportunity. It's a great way to educate recruits. I, I don't know if it'll make much of a difference. If something like that makes a difference to a kid, um, I don't know what to tell you anyway. But, yeah, it, it gets your name out there in positive circles and NFL circles. Bleed it for as long as you can. Use it as much as you can. We'll see what happens with Bryce Watts and, you know, whether he sticks and Amir Marset, make sure that he knows all about that stuff if you're the Rutgers staff. And while, it, like I said, it doesn't mean a kid's going to go somewhere based on that, it's a nice positive thing to tell him that kind of gets the ball rolling in a different direction than kind of the other type of momentum they had going on during the weekend. Yeah, with, with all the, the, for people that spend a lot of time on social media, unfortunately I am one of them, especially in January, heading into signing day. You love it. Oh, God, I hate it. I can't wait to delete my account when uh, when I get fired in 30 years or whatever happens. The There's a lot of negative Rutgers stuff out there. Every, you know, every writer that's never covered a Rutgers game has like six jokes ready to tweet. And, you know, opposing fan bases are always relentless. So to have something like this that's just positive, there's nothing wrong with it. Now, if I'm a recruit, I'm not going to be swayed in any way by this because guess what? Chris Ash didn't coach these guys, and it was, you know, six years ago, 
And I'm pretty sure that Michigan had a quarterback that played okay in that Patriots game too. You know, it's a cool thing and it's fun to discuss with recruits, but if you're coming to Rutgers because Logan Ryan developed, you know, under Rob Smith and Jeff Halfley and Greg Schiano, then that's just, I don't know, weird, uh, wrong priorities. Uh, yeah, but I see all the time kids picking one school over an Ivy League school over some academic power. So, you know, it's just different. Yeah, you uh, brought up Bryce Watts already, so let's get into that. Rutgers lost a commitment from, I believe he was the second member originally of the 2017 class, and it is, it's one that hurts because he's a big-time corner prospect, tons of ties to Rutgers. You guys remember him on the show maybe nine months ago talking about the time you met Greg Schiano when he was a kid and taking pictures with him. That's not the kind of kid that you want to lose, and it comes, you know, some of that was definitely out of emotion with Aaron Henry leaving for NC State, something else to discuss. You know, Virginia Tech's been on him, and Virginia Tech's been recruiting him just as long as, if not longer, than Rutgers. But still, it's not something that feels good to lose a corner this late. If you're Rutgers, it feels terrible because you didn't have a great weekend with some other targets making decisions to go to other schools. Um, as I mentioned on the board, this stuff was bubbling for a long, long time. Came as no surprise that it actually happened. trip that he's going to take this weekend to Virginia Tech has been scheduled for well over a month. One of the things is when you're dealing with kids and these prospects, you know, you talk to them, they trust you, you trust them. They'll tell you stuff that they don't want out, and so you have to respect their wishes, and that's why we didn't put it out. The reason it hurts so much is he's good, really good. I'm not sure when the rankings are going to get updated, but he's going to be the number one cornerback in New Jersey in the next rankings. Getting a chance to see him in December, great length, moves really well. When he decommitted, it was over, done, finished. And then a day or two later goes by, and decide start talking again I don't know where it'll lead to going to Virginia Tech even if he commits there I don't know if it's over at that point I think this is one of those things where people are going to wonder on signing day where's Bryce Watts signing I think it could be one of those things I know that some of the commits in the class really were not thrilled that he decommitted and they don't blame the staff but uh, it was more respecting what Bryce Watts wants to do but also being really disappointed that that's what he decided to do. Stunning how you put that information in in our board, and then it you know magically everyone started tweeting at Bryce Watts again the next morning, and it started appearing everywhere else. But I guess that's the nature of the business. Um, look, Bryce Watts, why you know you can't give up with him. You got to keep going on him, and even Jonathan Lovett, with where he is, you might as well keep talking to him and see what happens, and maybe you can get him for another unofficial or maybe some schools drop him and and why not and then Rutgers has something that I really liked about this week Brian and we've you and I have talked about it for a while is Rutgers will lose a kid whether it's a decommitment or a, a target will commit to another school and right away you'll see them move on to the next guy that they've been working on for a while whether it's you lose Bryce Watts but then 24 hours later Vince O'Crew is in Buffalo to offer a kid that they've been recruiting since May. Or you lose kicker target Tucker Day committed to Mississippi State. And Vince O'Crew, again, that's just coincidence because it's his guys and his areas. 
But Vince O'Crew, again, he's on the road all week seeing kickers that they have been talking to before that. So it's it's not like other years when you lose kids and then you magically try and get in with someone late that you haven't been talking to. There's actually been structured communication with some of these guys. So they have a plan, is what you're saying. I believe Chris Ash has used the word plan more times than you have talked about how you used to cover UCLA. Here's the real, here's the real question. Has Chris Ash used the word plan more than somebody else used to say 1-0? <laughs> Chop. <laughs> That's part of the reason that, you know, when everybody wants to bail and say, same old Rutgers, same old Rutgers, I, I don't understand it because a couple of, there was no plan two years ago when a kid decommitted. They ran out and they took somebody who was the easiest to get without working hard and without doing their due diligence on what the kid was like. You know, these things happen now. And I get that everybody wants this thing turned around quickly. It's not the way it works. It, it's, you know, it, you sit there and you say you got Bo Melton still. You have Micah Clark. You have some really good players in this class. You don't get them all. You, yes, you had some in and, and they jumped out but that's the way it goes I mean and I've said this time and again do they need to change coaches in Alabama because they went to the title game and lost and then they lost the nation's number one kicker to Arizona State Ohio State you know scrambling to get a receiver because they lost a kid this happens it's just that and I've said it a zillion times because of what took place over the four years of you know he who should not be named is out there you know, because of what happened and the way the program was was run, and there were that that one year where they had seventy nine decommitments. Everybody thinks that soon as something goes wrong, well, time to pack it in. Not going to be able to get it done. It doesn't work that way. It is a long build, a long build. You don't get Jonathan Lovett this year. You know what? Just go get a running back next year, a good running back next year. It just takes time. One of the things that I discussed with A.J. Blazik earlier in the week, and I hope everyone enjoyed that little breakdown. You can go back to Scarlet Report and check out the story. One of the things we talked about... If, if you did it, how could they not enjoy it? That's a great point. One of the things we talked about was, he's, he, I, I think his words were something like, look, there's 65 Division One players that committed right now in the state of New Jersey. We're not getting all of them. Whether that's number two, Drew Singleton, or number 65, whoever it is that's committed to... Old Dominion or whatever, there's going to be those people that complain that or are unhappy that Rutgers didn't get them. What I would recommend is, yeah, I mean, the staff misses on kids and they should be criticized for that. It's their job to recruit well. Recruiting is a huge part of your job. But, guys, the number one player in the state of New Jersey just enrolled at Rutgers after Rutgers went 2-10. and 10. That alone should tell you that things are changing. He never wavered either. I mean, this wasn't a thing where he was looking around saying, hmm, maybe I'll visit here, maybe I'll visit there. He was the cheerleader for the class. He was the guy who was out front when it looked like things weren't going great on the field or they needed some momentum. He was the guy out there. Um, I think, Sam, you and I were fortunate to be able to develop a relationship with him and know who the kid is, so we were able to talk to him probably a lot more than... A lot of other recruiting people, you know, people to cover recruiting. Um, he's a really likable kid, and having him on campus for this official visit weekend coming oh. up. 
Oof. And he can enjoy the fruits of being a host and the food and the perks that go with it. Yeah, tread carefully. That kid's going to have fun. Oh, yeah. I, I just mean, you know, going out to eat, eating all the food, getting to hang out with the recruits. I don't mean anything crazy. Just, you know, have fun and be an ambassador to the program because he'll be a tremendous one. Because I don't know, you know, a lot of people don't know Mike. Like I said, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's a life of the party kind of kid. Yeah, and this is, again, another thing. I'm going to reference the A.J. Blazik interview that you can go back and read on scarletreport.com or, you know, scroll through my Twitter or however you use the internets these days. Unless you've deleted Twitter by then, but go Oh, that would be amazing. That would Uh, be good. Go back and, and read what he says. Rutgers is a school, and Chris Ash has talked about this a bunch of times too. It's not just A.J. Blazik. Rutgers is about having its players be the best recruiters. So... The same way that Michael Micah Clark on this podcast a year ago told me that Dorian Miller was his favorite player and Dorian helped recruit into Rutgers, now it's Micah Clark's job to say, look, here's my offer sheet, here's why I chose Rutgers, and you know what, I've been here for a week now and these workouts are killing me, but I love it here, and I think you should come play here too. And that's going to mean a lot for Rutgers in recruiting. Yeah, and again, it's it's kind of like the build that we talk about. You have Micah, who I could see him playing as a guard as a freshman and then moving to tackle later on in his career just because it's easier to play guard than it is tackle. He's athletic enough to do it. But this is when you're going to start seeing a little bit of the splash of Chris Ash and his staff in recruiting. You know, when you get to 17, you're going to see a roster, I would think, that has a fair number of true freshmen on the two-deep Um it, it, like I said, it's, it's a long build, and it's going to take some time to get through everything and figure out what you have, how much depth you have. You can't stress over one or two kids leaving the class. It happens. You, you just the other thing is just go find somebody else. The one, one one thing that I'm impressed with this staff is look, it is not a good year in the Northeast in a lot of positions. Offensive line is not good. Defensive line is horrible when it comes to the depth. Not many running backs in the East. Not many linebackers, and Rutgers did a good job of getting a few of them. Rutgers got one of the maybe three quarterbacks in the area. Yeah, they got one of the good quarterbacks. But this staff has the connections to go to Georgia, to go to Minnesota, to go to Buffalo and Canada, to go into Florida, they can go a lot of different places. Alabama, they know people everywhere. And I think when even during Greg Schiano's time at Rutgers, I don't think you had a staff with the wealth and depth of connections across the country that you have now. When Chris Ash has problems, he calls Brett Bielma, Urban Meyer, Barry Alvarez. You think he's calling Dave Doreen? You know, those two are really, really good friends. Um, so, yeah, I do think he's calling Dave Doran. I, I don't want to know what that conversation was like recently. But, you know, so it's stuff like that. You know, for advice, that's who he can call, um, which is a lot better than being able to call guys that haven't been in, you know, at big programs. That, that's nice to have. I mean, he, he can now walk down the hall and talk to Jerry Kill, who built two programs and was a successful coach at Minnesota. If if Rutgers turned into what Minnesota was under Jerry Kill, I think a lot of people would be happy. 
And of course, it's Rutgers, so a lot of people wouldn't be. Yeah, but that's that's why we love Rutgers fans. Um, uh, speaking of Rutgers, that is what we're doing here. It is the Rutgers Scout Cast. Please find us on iTunes if, if you're able to give a five star review. It takes two seconds. If you don't know how to do it, that's an occasion where I'd actually like you to tweet me, and I can walk you through it because it really does help the show. Stars don't mean anything. Speaking of Twitter, stay tuned to social media. <laughs> you just so, got that? <laughs> no, I was running through my plugs and I wasn't listening to you. That is pretty good. Um, we want to be in the Pro Bowl of podcasts, so we need as many stars as possible. Also, just real quick, speaking on social media, keep your eye out tomorrow. If you are not a, when I say tomorrow, Saturday the 21st or whatever the date is, keep your eye on social media if you're not a Rutgers subscriber because... It is the right time to get involved with Scarlet Report. Some good deals coming with more information coming on that Saturday. Brian, something, two things we, have, we need to touch on still, and the first one is your guy, Janarian Grant. He's he is com- my guy. He's coming back. Stunning. Maybe not the biggest surprise in the world. and he made When did s- we first start writing that he'd be back, Sam? Wasn't it about, like, December 27th, 8th? Right, that was when he actually made up his mind. But he, to be fair, between his injury and the end of December, he changed his mind 74 times, which that's why we love Florida recruits. Look, uh, Juwan Jameson left, so you never know. But he was never going. Never going. Because he's a kid with a lot of limitations. He returns the ball well. And he returns the ball well. He does, and now he can develop some other skills with a, a full year, a guy like Jerry Kill that's going to find ways to use him. Because, look, Janarian Grant, not a dynamic weapon as a wide receiver, but he can still do a ton of things for you, and we've seen that over his career. But, Brian, you want to guess how many receiving touchdowns Janarian Grant has in his career? I don't know if I need to guess. I'll I'm give gonna... you a hint. It matches his number. That really doesn't help me. I don't really know numbers. (laughs) But I was going to say, you know, probably the same number of stars you're going to get rated on this podcast. I'm going to go with one. Yeah. The the point is, he still has a lot to learn. And while everyone sees this as Rutgers has its superstar, and I get that from a marketing standpoint, he still has a lot to learn. And it's really other guys around him that are going to be made better because of this. Go ahead. Look, here's the thing. Janari's a nice kid. We've known him since high school days. He's fun to deal with. He's great. He's exciting on a kick return. The reason everybody sits here and says, oh my goodness, we have this kid back. Our offense is going to be great. is because they have no other skill guys that can make big plays. So it accentuates the need for him and how much better Rutgers should be because of him. Because if you don't have him, you have nothing. I disagree. You have nothing that's proved itself yet. Well, I'm talking have... about last year, yeah. If you want to talk okay. Bo Melton and all those guys, yeah, they should come in and help. But the problem is when you're trying to sit there and get a handful of freshmen to help you play, it tells you what shape your program's in because you don't want true freshmen playing. Well, now that I already broached the now one... Now you ticked me off. Well, now that I broached the one topic that I knew was going to get you worked up, we are going to close out the discussion with another one that will have you worked up, and that is... Uh, I got a lot of feedback from last week's discussion when we discussed how Rutgers does, in our opinions, I think yours a little more than mine, but we both said it, Rutgers doesn't have a Big Ten stable of running backs. And a lot of people disagree with that, Brian. And look, there are 
it is a total opinion thing. Like, we're all allowed Despite to... Despite me being right. Oh, it, is it an opinion or is it a fact? Oh, it's a fact. Yes. No, um, a lot of people will argue and with statistics that the team of Josh Hicks and Robert Martin is Big Ten caliber. Now, in my opinion, yeah, you can you can do some stuff with them and they, and they can have impact games, but when I say Big Ten stable of running backs, a stable isn't two people that are co-starters and then nothing behind it. It's a group of running backs, and Rutgers doesn't have that. And even Hicks and Martin, I think inconsistent would be the first word that comes to mind. But, they, yeah, they had some games. Yeah, they had some games, and then go back and watch. And when you go through it, and be fair, don't tell me how great they looked against Tulane and against Norfolk State and Howard. or, or Go look at against, in Big Ten games, how many times they make more yards than are blocked. Just tell me how many times somebody gets in the backfield, they juke them, overpower them, and make yards. How many times you sit there and say, oh my goodness, that guy can't be, you know, we're, we're a lot better with him on the field because he can do this and the defenses can't stop him. Just because you run for a lot of yards doesn't mean you're a great running back. It may mean your offensive line is blocking well. It may mean that the other team has decided, you know what, we're ahead by 50, so we're going to put our third teamers in so you can pick up some yards. Just sit there and tell me, if you're an opponent, do you fear the Rutgers running game? Do you fear the Rutgers running game? Do you fear, because I'll tell you what, when Indiana stunk and they had Tevin Coleman, you still feel you still feared Tevin Coleman. So if you're going to sit here and say how great they are, just explain to me how great they are with how many times they make people miss. How good are they at catching the ball out of the backfield? Do they practice all the time? Do they play all the time? I mean, who cares if you're good enough to be a player at level X if you never play? I mean, so for me, no. I mean, they're, if, if I'm looking at a Big Ten running back and what I want out of them, I think they're at best, at best, middle of the road. Yeah, I now just to be clear, I, I do generally agree with you, and that's why I said last week that I don't see that Rutgers has this Big Ten stable that everyone's writing about. But for the sake of argument, I will play good cop because I am the good cop, and you are the bad cop in every situation. I, I like to just say I'm a realist. Here, here's what I would tell you: is that under the offense of Ralph Friedgen and McDaniel's as well, like you had games against good teams. People will always bring up what Josh Hicks did against North Carolina in a bowl game. That's a bowl football team. Again, I, you're giving me a look, and I'm telling you I'm playing the role of good cop here. This isn't necessarily my opinion. And also a big part of that was that the running backs were able to open up opportunities for Gary Nova because defenses expect, respected them enough that they had to pay attention to them, and that's when Gary Nova and Leonte Carew did their thing. Man, everybody thinks if you're going to run for a bunch of yards, uh, you must be a really good running back. I've watched my share of running backs who are not very good run for 100 yards in a game. I remember years back, you know, when Rutgers was awful, uh, the big thing was they had four running backs that season run for at least 100 yards in a game. I think one of them was a kid named Jason Nugent, and I'm not picking on Jason Nugent, but he was a better defensive back. Just because you ran for 100 yards doesn't make you a good running back because, and I'm not going to get into it, but 
I would say in Kyle Flood's first or second year, it was a running back who ran for a ton of yards in a game. But if a different running back was in, he probably would have run for another 80 yards. So it's subjective, no matter how right I am. And I get all that. But just go look around the Big Ten and go through the running backs that everybody has. And then come back to me and tell me how they compare. Right, and thank you for engaging with that. We we like when you disagree with us or want us to discuss something more. I just more. can't imagine anybody ever wanting to disagree with me. Well, I mean... I'm so used to being right all the time. Jeez, oh, it must hurt. No, I'm used to it. It's, it's like a gift that you can't control. And speaking of gifts that you can't control, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast every Friday. We're grinding the signing day just like you guys are in your offices and your commutes worrying about who the next decommitment is or who the next commitment is. And the best way to know is to stay stay tuned at ScarletReport.com. So as Brian steps out here to go return some videotapes and I pat myself on the back for an amazing Mona Lisa Vito reference in the middle of our Rutgers discussion there, I would like to once again tell you that this has been another episode of the Rutgers Scout Cast, a Rutgers football fan podcast on the Scout Media Network. I'm your host and the publisher of Scarlet Report, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.